Cubs, Cubs, cave parties. Everybody's in for giving back to those in need. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400 Radio. All right. Stu, what's going on? Uh, another awesome Club 400 episode today, a podcast I should say. We got a special guest. I'll tell you one thing. Whenever I go to Wrigley Field and this guy is starting the day off with the national anthem, it's more special than going to Wrigley Field already is. I don't know if you remember this, but if it was the, I think it was the Schwarber event that he was no, the uh, World Series trophy. World Series trophy, yep. Um, where this guest was out here, and we hadn't even decided we were going to do a podcast yet, but when he let me try on his World Series ring, I was like, this has got to be our first guest. <laughs> so it took us a while because he's a busy man, but here we are. So Club 400 Radio, we always interview fans. This one Today we have a celebrity in the house. Uh, so welcome, John Vincent, to Club 400 Radio. How are you doing today, John? I'm good. How are you? Oh, man, doing great. It's such a pleasure and an honor to uh, have, have you on the air with us, and we appreciate your time. And uh, and like I said, John, I'll tell you one thing. As a Cub fan, walking into Wrigley, knowing you're singing that day, it's a, it makes Wrigley feel more special. It really does. And uh, you just have something about your voice and the way you go out there. And, you and, you know, I, I remember the World Series and the playoff games. It just, you just have a way of pumping up the crowd. Well, you're, you're, you're very kind. You know, I think it's, uh, I think it's just people get pumped up to go to Wrigley and I'm just lucky to be part of it at the end of the day. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm so, I'm so yeah, glad. If you can't get pumped, pumped up just going to Wrigley field. Then, you know, <laughs> you don't need me to do that. You could, you could have, uh, you could have anybody sing the anthem because it's just, it's just a great place to be. And growing up a Cubs fan, you know, I still get chills walking into Wrigley. I agree. You know, uh, we should do one little quick piece of business before we move on. We actually use you singing as our outro. <laughs> you singing yeah. uh, my way. Uh-huh. We never got permission for that. So. <laughs> if we could go ahead and do that now. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. We'll write something up, and you get a percentage of our proceeds. <laughs> but, John, I kind of want to uh, – we'll start um, – well, obviously, you're, uh, you've come a long ways, but I want to start at, at the beginning. Uh, tell us a little bit how uh, you grew up. You grew up in Chicago, or where did you grow up? I grew up on the south side of Chicago by um, Archer and uh, Cicero, by, by uh, Midway Airport. And my mom and dad both uh, were born in Italy. My mom came here earlier in the 50s. Uh, she flew over with her parents um, and uh, not actually flew herself. She got in a plane. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, uh, and I was, that was a stupid joke. No, that was and, good. Uh, I like it. Yeah, it's like, hey, I just flew in from Vegas. Boy, are my arms tired. Um, and my dad actually came here. There was a Sports Illustrated article uh, about myself with the anthem, and, and I, I talked about my father. And uh, my dad came here on December 24th, 1960, by boat. My dad was very, very poor. Wow. What, where, did, where, what parts of Italy are they from? My dad's Abruzzese, which is Abruzzo. And my mother's uh, Toscana, which is Tuscany. Okay. Yes. Very from good. Luca, and uh, my dad's from a small town of Palena in Abruzzo. Okay. Yeah, my yeah. wife is Sicilian, so I'm half Italian. Uh, that, that's, that, that's beautiful. Yeah, I got a couple uncles who are um, 
um, you know, for, uh, a couple uncles who were born in Palermo, my uncle Joel and my uncle Ugo who passed away, but they were both born in Palermo. Um, and they've married my dad's sisters, my auntie Anita and my auntie Josephine. Nice. So you grew up on the South side, obviously. And, um, what school did you go to out there? I went to Kinsey Grammar School, and then I went to St. Lawrence High School. Okay, gotcha. And you were uh, amongst a lot of White Sox fans, I'm sure, right? A lot. And the, the only thing, if people remember, um, you know, people my age and around my age, uh, you know, when you grew up, uh, you came home and the Cubs were on, you know, if you could, you know, even when you came home from school, the Cubs were still playing. You were catching the end of the game, um, you know, 99% of the times, or even the middle of the game. You get out at, you know, if it's a 120 game, you get out at school at what was it, 2 33 o'clock, you were catching the middle of the game. Um, and then when the other thing was, was, you know, my dad was a bodyguard, so he didn't make a lot of money. The most money he ever made in his life was, 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 you know, forty some thousand dollars a year when he retired in this in his in nineteen ninety, and we didn't have a thing called Sports Vision and on TV. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It was people, pay, you had to pay for it, right? Yeah, had to pay for it, and, and the White Sox were on there, so we uh, just didn't get a chance to, um, you know, to uh, subscribe to it. Yeah. We didn't have the money. We, we did. My mom and dad didn't have that kind of money. My mom was a stay-at-home uh, mom, and, and she was a hairdresser, you know, on the side. Had people come over that she cut their hair and stuff like that. And my dad, you know, was a bodyguard. Uh, and so we, we had, um, we had uh, uh, regular TV, 2579. You know, 2579, 11. 32 with standard channels basically the free channels yeah, yeah. You, you turn the knob and that's it those are my roulette numbers <laughs> <laughs> my 18. so you're growing up and uh you, you st- what, 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 how'd you start you just start working uh what was your first jobs you had my first job uh, i was 14 years old i worked at a grocery store oh, and, so then, I. Yep. and then i worked uh when i was uh 16 uh at a moving uh uh, furniture store, moving furniture and uh, delivering furniture. And I did that th- through uh, college, some parts of college. I went to Elmer's College. I played football. And so when I was not playing football, I was working. When I played football, you know, obviously I, I didn't work because of practice and everything and went to school. Um, uh, and then after that, I played a year of professional football in Germany for Dusseldorf Panthers. Oh, and- really? Yeah, and then um, I went and was a recruiter in accounting and finance for four years before I became a professional singer. So let me ask you this: your voice, which is you know unbelievable, obviously. Um, when did you realize you had something with with that? I mean, was that something that you just stumbled upon? Did you always sing, or is it someone no. just hear you one day? How that happened? My father, if he didn't grow up in Italy during World War II, being so poor. I mean, so poor to the point where he was cutting up motorcycle tires to make shoes and wrapping rope around it. Um, the Nazi soldiers had to kill all the horses because there was a, a disease with the horses had almost kind of like you want to say, like a mad cow disease for cows. There was some disease that the Nazi soldiers horses had and, and all the horses were getting sick. 
And the Nazis kicked my dad out of the row house that he lived in with his brothers and sisters. Uh, there was 10 of them. My dad was the oldest son and my nonna and my nonno, my grandparents. And they had a, a strategic spot in town, a town of about a thousand people, where you could see if the Allied forces were coming in. So the Nazis kicked them out of their house. They had to live in a barn. There was, the, I mean, in the place that they lived in before I saw in 85 was just a concrete floor, two bedrooms, a kitchen, bathroom, no heat. There was a wood stove and electricity. My father was so poor when, when the Nazis killed the horses to stop this disease from spreading, they buried it in this big mass grave. Well, the villagers waited tonight and they opened and they went down, dug up the horses and ate the horses. Oh, uh, and he said to me, Johnny, you'll never know. And I hope you never know. I hope you never know the, the, the tragedy and the fear and the, 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 the pain of war, the pain of, of suffering, the pain of not going of going to bed hungry every night, not knowing if you're going to live or die. I mean, him and my uncle Benny were talking about my dad got his knee replaced in January. They were talking about, you know, hey, you know, he goes, Vincenz, remember when the bomb hit the one side of the house and these guys died and we lived because we were in the kitchen. And I'm like, holy crap. I mean, it's amazing. So my dad, you're talking about me singing. My dad should have been a singer. My dad should have been an opera singer. He would have been a famous opera singer. He would have done very, very well for himself. Really good looking guy. He's 83 years old now. Amazing, amazing voice. He just sang the Italian national anthem at the Italian American sportsman of the year award that my good friend won. And, um, uh, and my dad sang it and killed it. Everybody loved it. And I never thought about being a singer because I listened to my dad when it was family parties. My uncle would play the accordion. My dad would sing and some of the other uncles would kind of join in and try to keep up with my dad. Not until I saw Sinatra live when I was in college that I start liking his music. And then people said, you know, you kind of sound like him. And my sister Lisa kept pushing me, go try it, go try it. And I go, you're crazy. And you're nuts. You're nuts. I go, I'm, you know, I have a good job. I'm not going to become a singer at 29. There's no chance. So for six months, uh, I went around. I, I gave a tape to a couple places, a cassette, an actual cassette. Uh -oh. back in the day. <laughs> they hired me at Rosebud for a couple nights, and then this place called Nono Pinos in Edison Park. Oh, and I know that. Ditka, wow. Ditka's heard about me. Uh, they gave, they had like about seven singers they would rotate through. Mrs. Ditka auditioned me live. She's like, here, sing New York, New York. I go, without any music? She goes, yes. So I sang it. They give me a four-month deal a year. Uh, and I've been there for 17 years now. Wow. So for 29 years, you didn't, you didn't sing. That's amazing. No, I wanted to be a football player. I was the first one cut my freshman year. And then my senior year, I grew eight inches and they said, you're coming to play football. Okay. And then, and then I played four years at Elmer's college and, and, and then I wanted to play football here and it didn't pan out over here. I wasn't, uh, you know, good enough for the NFL or, uh, or whatever. And, and didn't make it in a combine to go to somewhere. So I, I played a, uh, a year in Germany and uh, came back, finished my degree, and then was a recruiter. I, I was a recruiter in accounting and finance. Hmm. So how how did because uh, I mean you were singing at Dicka for how many how many years you said you've been singing at Dicka's? Seventeen. Seventeen years. Yeah. And uh, I don't get down at Dicka's that much. I've been there, but um, how did it work out that you started singing the national anthem? How did you get on that the big stage there? Well, I remember Larry Rothschild used to bring in some of the guys to come see me. He would bring in Ronnie Coomer, Joe Girardi, and a couple of the other coaches. And he, and uh, Larry, who's the pitching coach now with the Yankees, would, uh, you know, he was the pitching coach for Cubs. 
and he would like, you know, he would like my singing and he would come in and we, me and him became friends. And, 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 you know, uh, Katie Marta, who used to work for the Cubs, used to come in and she's like, yeah, we'd love to have you sing the anthem. And Joe Rios was part of that. And uh, that was back in 2003. So I, I, you know, I did a few, probably about, you know, one the first year. And then I did, I did the Washington Wizards when Jordan played. Um, and that was my most nerve wracking one because the space shuttle went down that day over Texas and the ref goes, don't mess up the anthem. You're in our state, you're in our country capital. And I'm like, my God, why would he say this to me? Right. And Jordan played like a madman that day. I mean, he, he, I, he still was like Jordan in his prime. And it was, so that was really cool. And then I sang the Green Bay Packers that year also. And I've done the Packers every year since I've done the bears a few times, but the Cubs, you know, I've done Duke, North Carolina. I've done uh, Northwestern many times. Um, Loyola, I just did. Uh, but the Cubs is my home. It's my home. And then you have uh, a family come along called the Ricketts, who I don't care if I sound like a homer. I don't care if I sound like I'm kissing their ass. I'm telling you the truth. I'm 46 years old. I'm going to tell you right now. And if anybody else disagrees, they're crazy. They're the best owner in sports. Hey, oh, I agree with you 100%, John. And uh, Rick, we're homers Rick, here at Club 400 for uh, Mr. Oh, the Ricketts the family. Yeah, yeah. They're the, they're the, I heard I heard a story. Uh, I don't know how true it is, but I heard a story of somebody saying, Tom, why don't you name one of these bil- uh, buildings the Ricketts? And he says, this is not about me. This is about everybody. This is about the fans. And then I heard another story that before a, a game when it was raining, they saw Tom Ricketts out there wiping down the seats. Hmm. You tell me what other owner does yeah. that. Tell me somebody who's that who who has that kind of money, who has that kind of power, but he'll take every time to say hello to you. He's a fan. He want. I mean, when we talked about him, like Mr. Ricketts, I can't believe what you did here. And I'm like, I can't believe it was just a Taco Bell, the McDonald's. And then he's like, remember the donut shop? And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot the donut shop. <laughs> I mean, a true, true fan who wants to win. How lucky are we as Cubs fans to have that? So when the Ricketts came along, I just got lucky enough that they liked me and gave me more and more anthems. And, uh, you know, I became friends with um, Frank Kenny, who I, I love, who is, is just a great baseball person, uh, a, a great uh, businessman. He knows what he's doing, he transformed that area with Mr. Ricketts into a, a destination spot all year round. I don't know if they have the Trindle Market going on right now there again, but I mean, Wrigley's beautiful. You go there now, it's gorgeous. You went, you go there 10 years ago, it was a parking lot. It was nothing. Right. You can go there now and you got the Zachary Hotel, you got all those great restaurants, you got the store, you got, you know, Jocelyn's, you got Starbucks, you got all these things, you got the park at Wrigley. You got all these things, and it's a destination all year round that people want to go to. And who doesn't want to go to Wrigley Field? So when you're like, you know, oh, you go to Wrigley, you make it that much better. No, Wrigley's better, and Wrigley's just amazing as is. You you go there now, and it's awesome. Right now, at this moment, at 1231 on a Wednesday in December, and it's a great place to be at. I live a mile away, I know. I wish I could just meet you right now and have a beer with you. That's what I wish. <laughs> let's, go. let's go up there. I don't have anything in tonight. Let's go up there. Let's have a few drinks. We go to, uh, we'll go wherever you want. We'll go to Brick House or we'll go to Cross the Street. You know, I love uh, 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 the new one they put up. I, for- I keep forgetting the name. The one on Addison and Clark 
they do a great job. What is that restaurant's name? Addison. Oh, oh, that new place on the corner. Yeah, that place is so yeah, good. Yeah, uh, and that that's part of the hotel, right? I forgot they part call of the it. hotel. Yeah, and they got the other two restaurants on the other side, and I, I mean, I love Mordecai's and everything, and and and. And, and the lobby of the hotel, you could sit there and just overlook at Wrigley and have, you know, a whiskey. But there's that great restaurant in the corner in the hotel that's really, really I good. forgot the name of it. Yeah, it's some kind yeah, of fancy, fancy name. So you, yeah. you you live pretty close to Wrigley then, huh? I didn't know that. Yeah, I live I live just uh, south of Diversity and Clark. So a lot of times I do the anthem, I'll walk up there. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah. And one thing I always noticed about you too, John, and, and I love you for a lot of reasons, but I'll, I love you for this reason too, is that uh, I see you out, you know, in Gallagher Plaza a lot, Gallagher Way, I should say, and you're always talking to the fans, you're taking off your world. I mean, I've run into you more than like 10 times just talking to the fans and being a part of Wrigley Field. And I mean, the the, the looks on these kids' faces or the families when you when you give them your ring. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the ring and what that meant to you to get a World Series championship ring 108 years in the making, and you're wearing a World Series ring. Let's talk about the day. I think maybe was it Crane that called you up? It was, um, I want to say it was Jim Oboykowicz, Max Berman, and a couple of the people, and I know Crane and Mr. Ricketts made it happen. And they said, Johnny, we want to tell you something. Um, we're giving you a World Series ring. And my heart dropped. I, I, I never expected one. I never fathomed, like, what, why would I get one? You know, like, it, it, it was not a, not even a thought. And um, Mr. Uh, uh, Kenny, uh, uh, you know, showed me it and, and gave it to me. You know, a couple of days after the players gave it in the dugout, he gave it to me. And I, I, you know, I was crying. And I, but when I got the call in January, I was crying because my cousin, Christina Parazio, she died in February of that year, was a huge Cubs fan from uterine sarcoma. And I couldn't tell anybody that I was getting this ring because, you know, it was, it was just in the process. And we had to, like, you know, couldn't tell anybody right away. And I go, can I tell my cousin she's battling cancer? And they go, absolutely. That's one thing about the Cubs. They like, Cubs care. I mean, they do. Mm -hmm. They care. And they're like, absolutely, Johnny, you, you, you tell her. And when I told her, she was like so thrilled. She was crying. She was like, oh, my God. And she passed a few days later. Oh, man. Um, and it was just something that was really special, you know. And, and the, if I was homeless on the street living under a bridge, you'll see me with a blanket under my head and a World Series ring on my head. <laughs> You know, and the thing that's amazing to me is just how generous you are. Like, I started crying when you let me put it on. I just wanted to take a picture of it on your finger, and you're like, here, try it on. And I was like, Holy I know. I one time, like, you know, people tell me you can't let everybody wear it. I'm like, well, why not? And, and this girl dropped it one time. You know, she was at Ditka's. She was really drunk, and she's like, well, what is this? And other people are like, this is a World Series ring. And she's like, well, I want to see it. And she got it. She dropped it. Everybody just, uh -huh. like, goes. Yeah, I didn't apologize or anything, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And it kind of annoyed me. Oh, kind of, of course. Like, oh, I mean, okay, this is life. This is. I'm so far from perfect, Stuart. I'm. 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 Can I swear on this? Yeah, you yeah. can. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a total fuck up. I mean, I have OCD. I have anxiety. I have depression. I am like 
a walking contradiction. I say one thing and then you see me do another. I could tell you, hey, I'm going on a diet tomorrow. And the next day you're seeing me, you know, at the, at the buffet piling up. Ask me and William about that, will you? <laughs> you know, hey. You're I'm talking not, to not, the right guys. <laughs> yeah, or I'm not drinking. And then the next day I'm at Wrigley, you know, uh, you know, having about 10 beers, you know, watching the game. And I, 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 I came to peace with myself to say, Johnny, you're not perfect. You are, and, and this has to do with when we go into the bullying. This this was the biggest peaceful thing in my life. Is when I, I don't I don't judge anybody's religion, anybody's, and I'm a spiritual person. I believe in God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And one day I asked them. I said, "Can you please just give me peace? I go, I'm tired. I'm tired of living. I can't do this anymore. I just I don't want to live anymore." And I begged them to give me peace. I said, "I don't want this. I don't want fame. I don't want money. I don't want fortune. I want peace." And that piece came over me. And that was earlier this year. I'm not going to lie. I struggle with depression. And this piece came over me. And I sat there and I remembered the one thing Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye before you look at the toothpick in your brother's. Mm -hmm. My problem is I still look at the toothpick in people's eyes. And I'm like, you keep screwing up. You keep saying that. You keep preaching that. But you keep screwing up, John. Okay, so stop preaching sometimes and stop being better. So the only times I can really catch myself being better is doing that in the spur of the moment, letting see somebody wear a World Series ring and get shocked and be happy or doing a kind gesture. Because at that point, if you do something kind, you're doing it and, and you're just doing it out of your spirit, your heart. All our fear, all our anxiety, all our pain comes from our brain. All our love comes from our spirit. And if we can have the spirit watch over the, the mind, you know, it's just a beautiful thing. And I, I spoke to Joe, um, what's today, Wednesday? I spoke to Joe on Monday, Joe Madden. And he is unbelievable. And I told him, I said, Joe, I go, you, you don't know how much, we call each other Fratello because we're Italian, it's brother in Italian. And I go, Fratello, I go, you don't understand how much you are an impact to me be, with your meditation with the way you live life because he really is joe cool right yeah he really is he's joe cool and, and the players love him and, and people love him and, and 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 the way he 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 knows what's important some coaches get so wrapped up in the game and in the moment joe is playing for something bigger and when people complain about you know all this or that we went to three if you would have told me in 85 when I was crying on the bench at Wentworth Park when when this, this Padres, we were up two to nothing, swept us those the next three games and played the Detroit Tigers in the World Series. If you would have told 13-year-old me, Johnny, you're going to have three National League Championship Series in a row appearances and one World Series. Any Cubs fan at that time would have been joyful, ecstatic, and be like, are you kidding me? And what bothers me is the most is that people jet jumped on the wagon. They complain now. That's like, do you understand we have <laughs> the best GM in baseball, the best GM in the history of baseball. Yep. He broke the curse with the, with, with the Red Sox mm -hmm. and the Cubs. We have the best owner. We have the best baseball operations guy in Crane Kenny. We have the best manager. And we have a team that you tell me one guy in this team you don't like. What guy? I met all these Yeah, players. they're all awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. We've had a lot of them here. Boy, player i did not like on this team not one and that sounds like okay he's just saying what he needs to say trust me if i if i didn't mean that i wouldn't say a player of who i didn't like i just wouldn't say anything 
Right. Yeah. I wouldn't say anything because there are celebrities I've met in my life that were real assholes, and I will not say it publicly who they are. Right. I'll just keep my mouth shut, but I won't go out of my way to say somebody's really kind. And every guy on that team, they're just nice people. Yeah, they're That's a good clubhouse. You know, part of it is getting good characters. And yeah, I want to go back to you for a minute because, like, if you don't follow John Vincent on Facebook, you need to. Um, but one thing I really like about you, John, is you are 100% genuine, 100% true, and 100% real. And nowadays, those kind of people are hard to come by. I hope most of the time I am. Sometimes I think, you know, sometimes I think I'm full of shit. And, uh, but everybody, I'm going to tell you, be honest, everybody is out there is trying to put this perfect image out there, but no one's perfect. We all have our flaws, you know, and you're, you're not afraid to admit your flaws. And no, I think when you admit I, your I, flaws, I, I, I admit that I'm fucked up. When, I, uh, when you admit that to people, though, it, you do something to the people. Like you, I mean, when you say something, I want to hear it because there's so many people just trying to look good in this world and trying to. And but but you, you're you're about you're about the people, and there's a lot of people experiencing what you're experiencing, but just don't say it. Uh, I want to be honest with you. You are, you know, I know there's a lot of people that look up to you, and and what you're don't ever change. Just keep on being you, John, because. You're, you're, you're making a difference to people, and I'll tell you one thing. One of the reasons why I want to have, have you on, you're such a positive part of the Cubs community as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing that they gave you a ring. It's a blessing you're part of our organization. And you know what? You're just one of those guys. You know, We've had you out here a couple times. He's came out here for free. He didn't charge us a, charge us a dollar. But just being around you, John, you know, you make me happy. He's that type of guy that radiates like love. He's like a big teddy bear. That's what John is, you know? I actually feel that when I go on YouTube and look up videos and listen to you sing, wherever you are. My favorite one was you were on a on the boat on the oh, Chicago Oh, that was River. awesome. <laughs> that was, yeah, he's, yeah. He's singing Chicago. That was, oh, that was that beautiful. Was I mean, I was like getting chills and all like worked up like I was on the boat. Thank I was you. in that my was, bed. Yeah, that was a boat that Dean Martin actually had. It wasn't the same one. People got confused and were like, well, that was Dean Martin's boat. I said, no, it, it was a boat that Dean Martin had, the same kind. It was called a crisscross and you could tell when you walked in that boat the downstairs was all retro it was so cool and he had the same type of boat and what i did a guy who got married um at i want to say river roast said johnny we want to have an engagement party i want to surprise the people by having you come up by boat and sing well before it was time i had a little bit of time and i said to the captain can we go up and down and test the sound system so i had my friend on there and she was with me and and she's filming me while i'm singing my kind of town and then she just put it like, hey, let's put this on Facebook. And, and then it got a nice reaction. How many people were watching along the river there? Yeah, it was it was fun. You know, I, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. You guys say all these great things. I, I, I want to, the one thing you would talk about now, we're going to bullying. You were bullied. I was bullied. Um, you know, I, I have, I have uh, thought of suicide. I have actually was right there at the edge of suicide. Um and I struggle with depression. I've been in a really good place for a really long time now. I've been in a very, very good place. Um, I've come to peace with a lot of things in my life, but I still struggle tremendously on certain days. And I know when those days come, I have to ask God for the strength. And I just need, sometimes I need to just kind of shut it down and, and kind of, you know, I, I'll ask a coach Dick or a Joe Madden, you know, hey, what do you guys think? Because I, 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 I have such faith in them. And, uh, you know, it's almost 
polar opposites, but it's the same. You know, Joe Mannon is very, very, very uh, meditative and this and that and everything else. And Coach Ditka is very, boom, you know, just fight through it, kind of like that Rocky when he's in Rocky yeah. Balboa. It's like, you know, life, you got to hit it harder. You got to come. It's going to knock you down. And there's just so much positive on both sides of that. The resiliency of both of those guys are amazing, you know. And I read this book called The Power of Now, and it tells you how to live in the moment. Do I live in the moment? I think I want to say hopefully over half of the time I do, but there are a lot of times I don't. There are a lot of times I struggle. There are a lot of times I'm, I'm crabby. I'm, I'm, I'm not the best person to hang around with, and I'm not easy. And uh, I have to know that, and I have to be more honest with myself because sometimes I'll get caught up and I'll lie to myself. I'll be like, oh, yeah, you're doing great and this and that. And next thing you know, you're like, wait, don't get too full of yourself here because you know what? You're not that special. We all are special. Together, each and every one of us are nothing, but together we're everything. And I struggle following that line. I do. I struggle because if I truly want to follow that path, it's really hard. But I also then give myself a break and go, Johnny, you're human. I haven't found a perfect person on, on earth. The only perfect person was Christ. Mm. So, you know, I'm human. I know I'm human and I know that I'm going to make mistakes. And now I try to be more judgmental of myself. Now, when I find myself gossiping or doing things and saying stuff, I think pretty hard. I'm like, Johnny, why are you doing this? What are you doing? Come on, man. Just no, stop judging. Judge yourself, but judge yourself in a positive way. Yeah, I think so. That... When you say I do these things about giving the ring, letting people try it, doing, you know, stuff, doing events, I do that because I have to keep myself in line because if I don't it'll be very easy to become you know self-absorbed or um, especially with OCD you have your own world and, 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 and like that movie as good as it gets with Jack Nicholson the first time I saw it I'm like they got it totally wrong the second time I watched it I'm like oh my god it's so right because he's so self-absorbed to himself he sometimes overlooks other people's issues and problems and you know sometimes I'll do that with my girlfriend and she'll know uh, and she's great with it because she's very 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 you know uh, understanding and i'll be like okay i'm having my moment she's like okay do your thing what my thing is go throw my headphones on and go watch always sunny in philadelphia on the ipad <laughs> i watched it constantly and right. danny DeVito is like just kills me on that show i just laugh and i love it and you know i'll do that or i'll you know like joe says meditate or you know exercise or things like that so well i gotta echo what Stu said earlier you're your Facebook posts, I don't even like going on Facebook these days, but your posts, because of how real and honest you are, and by the way, I'm the captain of the all-fuck-up team, so <laughs> well, we're looking for new players. So. <laughs> I'm one of your players. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, I can like, I feel like I can relate to everything that you're you're saying and doing, and, and it, you can just tell it's real and it's not bullshit, you know, so... Well, the thing is, is when you start realizing that, and then you start saying, well, in all actuality, we all are. <laughs> we, all, we all are. We're all crazy. Yeah. You know, we're all crazy. We're all nuts. You know, we all are. If sometimes we, we look how we live this life, and it's all money-driven, this, that, and everything else. And they asked the Dalai Lama, they said, what is the biggest tragedy of humanity? And he goes, man. And they go, what do you mean? He goes, well, he works all his life sacrificing his health. Then when he gets older, he uses his money that he made 
to make, you know, his, to regain his health. And what he does is he never really lives. Yeah. And it's true, right? You know, I, I, I sometimes am the total opposite. That's why I say I'm a walking contradiction. One minute, I could be worrying about the future uh, or regretting the past. This book, The Power Now, helped me a lot to be more present because there is no such thing as the past. The past was the present moment when it was here, and now it's just a memory trace. If we're lucky enough to get into the future, it's going to be the present moment again once it gets here. Nothing is anything but the present moment. If you say, I want to do this, I want to build a house, I want to lose weight, I want to save money, you can't do it except for in the present moment. You can only do it at that time. Now, I'm the type of guy that could go way off the deep end and live in the present moment by gambling way too much, by eating way too much, by yeah. drinking way too much, and not even thinking about tomorrow. And there's too much, you know, there is a balance of being peaceful in the present moment and not having to escape. And that's what I would do a lot before is escape. And I do some of it now. I do. Don't get me wrong. I still escape with some addictions of, you know, if it's if it's gambling or if it's or if it's drinking or if it's and I'm not a really big drinker. I used to drink a lot when I was younger. Um, a few beers now I get buzzed. But food or food could be a great. My thing was, you know, gambling and food. Those were the two biggest escape. And. And sometimes you have to say live in the present moment, but not by escaping it with things that are addictions. Right. Right. I agree, and uh, I want to go back to uh, the bullying real quick because I know it's near and dear to your heart. Uh, like I, I, was, I was bullied when I was a kid to the point where I didn't even want to go to school, and I was so scared to go to school. And you know, school should be a safe place where you go to learn. And uh, I, you know, I sat my daughter down this year, and I plan on doing it every single year that she goes to school to tell her that you know people are different. Everybody's a product of their environment. Not every, you know, every, not everybody has different, you know, some people have more money than others. Some people dress different, but there's a reasons behind all of that. And to really, my point was driven to her is, you know, some kids may, may look funny. Some kids might smell funny, but treat everyone with love and kind and respect. And don't be that, you know, if you see someone getting bullied, and then you go over to that person, you give them a hug. You know, I, I want, you know, because it, it really ruined my junior high experience. I mean, three years in a row, I didn't want to go to school because I was afraid I was going to get my ass kicked, you know? Yeah. And that oh, sucked, you know? Me too, my brother. And, and I'll tell you, I, I mean, the biggest thing I say, the one thing I keep pounding uh, when I talk, because I, I, none of it's scripted. I walk in and then I do like maybe 20 minutes of speaking, and it could be 10 minutes of speaking before the questions and answers start. Um, it's very, very off the cuff. And I say, be kind. If you can't be kind, be nothing. Because I can promise you, life isn't fair and terrible things happen to all of us. And it's, it's sad. But, but, I promise you, when you do something wrong, your chances of something terrible ha happening just grows tremendously. Like, you know, um, it's just... If you do the right, like you, you hold the door for an old woman walking into an elderly woman walking into, say, a restaurant or something, and she has a, a, a walker. And if you hold the door for her, an hour later, are you going to question why you did that? Right. Are you going to? No. no. If you're in the car, which I've done before, and I've had, like, you know, incidents where a guy won't let you in or you won't let them in and. You just kind of like now you're just kind of being jerks to each other. And the cars are getting closer and closer. 
maybe you flip him off, he flips you off, and you start swearing, and you say, fuck you, fuck you, back and forth, you know, you're a piece of shit, blah, 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 and it starts getting escalated. And if nothing happens, an hour later, or two hours later, you look back at that after you calm down, unless you're a psychopath, you're going to be like, why did I do that? You're going to be like, why, 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 why did I do that? Yeah. That's the brain. The brain is full of fear. The brain breeds fear, anger, uh, uh, um, anxiety, jealousy, envy, all these things. And the spirit breeds love. So if we can have the spirit watch the brain, that's great. Now, some people just can't do that. So that's why I say be kind. And if you cannot be kind, be nothing. Because one day it's going to come back and get you. And that's a great. I never thought that's, a, that's awesome. Be, yeah. Be kind of, yeah. And one of the schools put it up. They put it up there. Uh, it says, you know, John Vincent, you know, be kinder, be nothing. And, and it's, it's, if, if you cannot stop being mean because something in you wants you to be mean, stop being, don't stop being mean and don't be anything because it's going to get to you. And I hope it resonates. I mean, I see some of these kids, they talk and this one kid I was uh, at the school I was at uh, a couple weeks ago was talking about, you know, he had to go away for a while because he tried committing suicide and he's this young kid. Another girl was talking about getting beat up by people. And, 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 and I can relate to all of that because I, I, I got beat up. I remember this kid made me kneel down in front of everybody when I was 14 years old, spit gum on my face and, and said, you know, if you kneel down, I won't beat you up in front of everybody. Well, I, I, I later on, you know, got in the bus and I was crying. And, and then the problem, what happened is I had a lot of anger. And when I became six foot five and I played football, this kid was on the football team. I took a lot of anger out on him. And I, you know, I, 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 I became actually an angry person for a long time, a very insecure, angry person well into my thirties until I had to release and say, wait a minute, what are you getting so angry and insecure about? You're going to be dead one day. This is how, is this how you want to live your life? Or do you want to live your life being as good as you can? Right. But I, I can, I can fall off very easily and get upset and get off track and, you know, uh, not not be but what i'll do is what i try to do again when you say about letting people wear the ring what i'll do with these bullying speeches is i'll go to any school anywhere in the chicagoland area and suburbs and speak for free and that's that's awesome i mean people you to do that that's unbelievable free. i'll do it for free anywhere it works in my schedule and so far this year i think i did four of them since the beginning of the school year i'll go for do it do it for free if it's a little further out, I say, okay, get me some transportation. If it's a different state, then, hey, you, then you might have to fly me out there. But I'll go anywhere in Chicago and in the suburbs, and I'll speak for free and and, and go out there and do that. And it, it actually, it's therapeutic for me, too. Yeah. Well, I would say to all of your bullies in the past, look, look at John now. He's got a World Series ring. He's walking in the... Lambeau Field, act like he owns a place, singing the national anthem in front of 40,000 people. And then he's going to be in Wrigley Field singing it from another 40,000 people. His buddies are Joe Madden and uh, Mike Dick. Uh, the well, guy, yeah, he's well, running the town, this guy. To that end, <laughs> look at the two of you. You're, I go out with the two of you. One's getting a call from Ditka while the other one's talking to Ricketts. You know, it's like, what, what, where are we? That's awesome. You that, know, you know I- I, 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 a very good friend of mine just lost his job on Sunday and he'll go somewhere else and be extremely successful. And that's Mike McCarthy. And that's a guy who is, I don't care what anybody says, a tremendous football coach. 
He is a tremendous human being. He's a family man. His wife, Jessica, and his kids are just great people. I've done a bunch of his charities. And Coach McCarthy will land at a different NFL team. And mark my words, um, he will win a Super Bowl. He will win a Super Bowl wherever he goes. And he's he's going to be something. He's something special. Yeah, that decision was ridiculous. I don't want to go too far down the Packer path, but that was just ridiculous. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I think in general, John, and you could probably back me up, but there's so many people out there that have a short-term memory. It's what have you done for me lately? They forget about all the maybe the seven, eight years of great stuff you've done. They only remember the last thing you did, which is ridiculous. Like you know, I own my own business, and we have customers like that. We 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 try to service the hell out of our customers, but like something goes wrong on a job that's not even our fault. You know, they're mad at us. It's like don't kill the messenger here. You know, but it's like a very a very famous celebrity told me social media has is become a monster and it's ruined its purpose and i i don't want to say what it is because i don't know if you'd want to like you know people to know that he goes but it has ruined its purpose and it's it's ruining us and it has because you have so many and it's ruining kids there's a study that this one principal sent out to me and she said you know about this kid back in if he grew up in the year 2000 you know, he's walking in the lunchroom with his tray of food and he falls down and, you know, spills the food on his pants and everything. But he's going to gym and a couple kids see it and they laugh about it. Well, he goes to gym. He's able to go into his gym clothes, kind of clean off his clothes. And that's pretty much the end of it. Right. Go 18 years now. It's 2018. The same kids walking in the lunchroom. He's walking in, spills, you know, spill whatever it is, spaghetti or sauce or anything down his pants and trips on his face. And it's these kids have their phone out and, and they put it on some social media. Now it's getting likes and it's going viral. And this kid is going home seeing this. And people are saying, what an idiot. What a, and people are just ripping them. And we didn't have that when we were kids. We could go home and it was a safe haven, thank God. You know, uh, I had a, a amazing, I have an amazing family. And if it wasn't for them, I don't know where I'd end up. I don't know if I would end up in the wrong uh, wrong path because I became really, really angry for a while. I was really angry. And that's what I tell these kids. You don't know how hard you're making it. We didn't have to deal with school shootings back in our day. We didn't have to deal with these things. These kids, and especially they said in this article, it said girls, they, they, they go on, you know, if it's Instagram or Snapchat, they see how many likes they get, you know, and if they're not getting the likes they get, it hurts their self-esteem. It hurts you know, their ego. And that's, that's the, the, the most fragile time of our lives when we're a child. How easy is it to, I speak Italian because my grandparents spoke Italian and it was easy for me to pick up as a child. If I try to learn a language now, it's really hard, right? Because your brain is forming when you're a kid. Right. You, it's a sponge. So it's like, this principal sent me this and she's like, you know, uh, 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 and how, they showed how suicide has gone up on young girls because of social media and bullying. And all these things. So it's almost like they can't get away from the bullying. And when I went two weeks ago, man, these kids were crying. And I gave them credit because they went in front of the auditorium and they said it in front of their peers. And I said, this is a, this is, this is somebody who is courageous. This is a hero. And I go, I don't want anybody to point out any names or anything. I go, but see, any of you bullies, I go, you guys can change now, but you're a coward. Anybody, the bullies that beat her up and physically, you have no right to physically touch anybody. The ones that beat you, beat up this girl, and I broke my heart. I was, I was starting to cry up there. And I said, whoever did that, you have no right. You have no right. But no. the problem people don't understand is 
It's like if you have a dog. You keep kicking that dog. You keep beating that dog. You keep beating that dog. That dog's going to bite back. And there was a dark time in my life, a real dark time. I'm not going to lie about it. But I was angry. I was angry. And I wasn't the nicest person. I wasn't the nicest guy around. I was, I was a real asshole. And people didn't like me. And because I was insecure and I was bitter and I was pissed. Do you think that had to do with a lot of the? Was that uh, was that because of your bullied, or is it just one hundred percent? One hundred percent. Okay, gotcha. You you become who you are as an adult from your childhood. I don't care who or what, or if anybody tells you differently. Yes, if you have a traumatic event, like if you are in war and you go to war, yes, you get PTSD in war. Yes, that can happen. One hundred percent. These soldiers who experience that, these people who go through and, you know, see a murder or get abused or something as an adult or have an abusive husband or something. Yes, you can get PTSD and those things. But who we are shaped, I truly believe who we are as an adult is from our childhood. And if we have people grow up getting beat up, getting abused, getting terrorized, they're going to grow up and be abusive. Now, they they said if you Eckhart Tolle the right the, the author of the Power of Now said and I don't know if this is true he says in a new earth if we did instead of recess twenty minutes of meditation every day we would eradicate violence in two generations is that true I don't know I don't know I can't say it's true or not but it sounds pretty interesting to me well I'll tell you one thing it sounds like based on what you've told us. That we had that some some of today's kids don't have is the great parenting at home. You know, parents who who cared about you, who you know spent time with you, um, you know, gave you the the love and attention that you needed. Because yeah. from, from my from where I'm sitting, you know, some of these kids that are bullies. First of all, kids are stupid for the most part. I, ho- I hope I didn't just cut off like a whole third of our <laughs> audience, but um, you know, ki- they don't. A lot of them don't know the ramifications of their actions, especially all this new social media bullying. Well, and we're stuff. all stupid. Look, right. look at the adults on social media. Right. I've yeah. seen friends stopping friends because of politics. Yeah. Because of this, because and just rip each other apart. So sometimes I put, I try to put positive things on social media, not to be some, some you know, kiss ass or something like that. Because at the end of the day. Who do I really deal with? The people I'm with, my girlfriend, my family, and my friends. Yes, I go do shows. Yes, I see people and I, I bump into people and I talk to people. But the people I live in day in and day out are who I really am with. And I, if I'm going to put stuff on Facebook, the only reason I put stuff on there is to make somebody who is suffering from depression or anxiety, who might think of killing themselves, who might think of hurting themselves, maybe this will stop them. And I had a, a, a person reach out to me on um, Messenger the other day, and she said to me, John, I really appreciate the messages. I'm trying to go to see where I have it um, on Messenger activity right now. Let's see if I have messages. And I wanted to share this with you guys because you're talking about, you know, Facebook and, and that right now. Let's see if this pops up. I, I got the new thing came up, and I don't know how the hell it worked it. <laughs> But uh, she, she wrote down, let's see if this pops up here. Uh, 
you said to me, John Vincent, I really appreciate you putting what you put down there because it changed my day. He said I was having a really, really bad uh, day and I was really hurting. And he goes, um, this, this changed uh, my outlook. And I said, well, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, the reason why I put this out there is because I know um, people hurt and I know people suffer. And I know because I've been there. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to end it all. I was ashamed to say that. I had this video put out in Arizona earlier this year. I was ashamed to say it. I was afraid to put the video out there. I didn't know if I was going to look weak and vulnerable. But the really strong people on this earth let people see their vulnerabilities. If you let someone see your vulnerability, if you give them that power, you are actually extremely powerful. Think about that for Yeah, that's that's 100% true, John. If you say, okay, you know what? Here are, here are the kinks in my armor. Here are my weaknesses. Come after them if you want to. I'm not going to hide it. Like they say, men don't cry or this or that. I go, here you go. If, if, if you really, I'm going to, oh, okay, this is the girl she said. She goes, after a terrible day I had, I really, needed to, I really need you to know how much it helped to be able to just scroll through your page and read some of the really nice things you said. I know it sounds weird coming from a total stranger, but if we have the opportunity to tell someone they have a positively impacted our lives, why not do so? I, happen, I hope you're having a good one, JV. And I said, thank you. That's why I do it, because we all struggle. The Buddha said existence is suffering. So all we can do is be there for one another and try to be kind. We see so much hate and anger on social media, I just like to try to make it a better place. I know it sounds corny, but at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Have a great day. Now, saying that, though, I still don't live that every day because I'm an asshole still a lot of times. There are people who piss me off and I'm an asshole and I don't like myself for doing that. I go to my psychiatrist and I tell him, I'm like, why, you know, this, I get pissed off at this guy and I get angry and he goes, well, John, you're human. So all I can do is go back and try to become a watcher of my own mind and say, Johnny, try better. Johnny, try better. But I know I'm going to let myself down because I'm human. I'm a fuck up. <laughs> all you can do is you know i'll tell you what John, have you ever thought about writing a book because i think you'd be a, a great you could write it put some uh, you know what the, the amount of information today you gave us the things that you have i think you, your book material i think you could write it you know another thing too I, I, the listeners out there i think it's pretty cool like john you didn't start singing until you're 29 years old i think that's a lesson for everybody listening is like if you're not happy where you are in your life look at what john did at the age of 29 john how old are you now I'm 46, and I'll tell you right now, and this is the odd, honest to God truth, and this would be something my parents and people would be like, why are you saying this? I don't have a dime saved. I make very good money singing, but I don't save shit. I blow my money, I'm stupid with it, and I just live day by day. And I don't have children. I was married, it didn't work out, but the blessing of it was it made me grow as a human being, and thank God I didn't have children because it wouldn't have been a good situation so I don't have children. All the person I have to worry about is myself. Right. And, I, and, and, and if, you know, I try to be generous, I try to be good to people, I try to be kind and that stuff. But, you know, I don't save any money. I don't, I don't, my, I'm not motivated by money. A lot of people say, Johnny, you're, you're a weird guy because money to you is something that you're, it just doesn't motivate you. It doesn't. I don't get depressed or happy about money. I get depressed about love and kindness. 
that's what I get depressed about. I, I get depressed about life, that thinking we got to die one day. People we love will die. This, that. I'm a, I'm a fucking hypochondriac. I'm all over the place. What, I, what matters to me in life is just what I've learned is we only can enjoy the moment. We can't enjoy the future. We can't enjoy the past. We can remember memories and be like, oh, that was beautiful. But the past is gone. It's non-existent. The future is not here yet. We're not guaranteed. It's not existent. The present is the only thing we have. And I tell people, if you're not happy in your job, and it might sound easier said than done, but write down what you like. Write down not what you like to do working. What do you like? You like dogs? Write down, I like dogs. I like taking walks. I like doing this. I like doing that. I like, and write it down. And if some of those things can fit a job, then go after it. Now, I did that in my life. I wanted to play football. I, put, I didn't make any money at it. It was very, I was thinking like 300 bucks a week till I played a year pro in Germany. I, I liked the casino, so I tried, work, I tried working at a casino for a while. It was, it was cool. I made it to supervisor. It wasn't my cup of tea, but I tried it. Then I was a recruiter in accounting and finance. I was good at it. I loved the, the president of the company. He was one of the greatest men I knew. His name was Doug Christensen. I actually sang at his uh, memorial about four or five years ago. I loved Doug. It wasn't totally my cup of tea, but I loved him and I loved the people I worked at. And then I said, why don't I try this singing thing? I didn't know I could do Louis Armstrong and all these other voices. I just thought I could do Sinatra. I got lucky. I got very, very lucky. Not everybody can. There's so many beautiful voices out there. I hate the sound of my voice. There's people that are extremely talented. <laughs> but, but if you can at least try and just try, maybe you might not succeed, but just try. You know, don't quit. You don't, don't quit. Don't give up. I lied to the guys in Germany when they said, you know, we need a long snapper. Can you long snap? I said, yeah, I could long snap. So I, I never long snapped in my life. I played left tackle at all. I was all American my senior year, but I never long snapped. I wasn't a snapper. So what did I do? That They play football there in the spring. What did I do? My dad and me, we, we, we put a tire against the tree in our backyard. And for about five hours a day, I kept snapping a ball into that tire. I just kept snapping it until I, I could snap it in my sleep. You know, and I didn't know how to long snap, but they said, do you know how to long snap? I said, oh, yeah. I said, oh, sure. I I'll tell you I'll tell you what, John. Just talking to you today, uh, I'm gonna. I gotta go to back. Go back to work after this. But you made my day just talking to you. Um, I want to ask you this. This is perfect, and I think you guys will agree with me. Will um, that this episode is gonna air right around Christmas, going into the new year, and um, so I want to ask you two questions. I want to ask you, you know, on New Year's Eve, you're gonna reflect on your 2018. Uh, what are you What are you thankful for in 2018, and what are What is the future of John Vincent in 2019? I'm thankful for meeting uh, the love of my life that changed my outlook in my uh, my outlook more, and been very understanding with my brain and my OCD and my struggles. Uh, I think women are smarter than men. I agree. I, think, I have two older sisters who are my best friends. And I think if women ruled the world, there wouldn't be wars because I think men, we are more, I think testosterone drives us to be more aggressive and this and that. So I'm grateful to have a partner who takes my good days and bad days and, and enjoys me for me. And um, I'm very lucky for that. And I'm blessed with that. Um, and um, at the end of the day, I'm really lucky. There's, I don't know if you know this, but every day, 
the size of the United Center, 22,000 people die of malnutrition. If that doesn't make you think about, I remember I was in Pittsburgh, I did a show for Coach McCarthy, and I was waiting in line at a Starbucks, and the line was really, really long. And I'm like, fuck, this is such a long line. And I go, you piece of shit. I said to myself, are you fucking kidding me? There's a kid in Africa right now that can't even find clean water. And if he finds water, it's not clean and he has to drink it. This poor kid is drinking dirty water. That's killing him. And I'm complaining about a long line at Starbucks. Yeah. That's the judgment I want to be. That's what I want to judge myself on. And that's what I hope 2019 brings me, if I'm lucky enough to make it to that, is judge myself more and more in a positive way. Not beat myself up, which I used to always do, but judge myself and keep myself accountable. Because I still have a long way to go. I'm still a, a huge fuck up. So John, where, where where did you meet your where did you meet your girlfriend at? Do you meet her uh, out and about singing or was it a Cubs game? We've, or? Been, we've, we've been friends for a long time. Well, those are the best relationships. Yeah, yeah. It just gave us a really interesting story. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, well, I'm really happy for you. I didn't know you had a girlfriend. Uh, that's that's great. Yeah, and uh, it was just something that happened that was unexpected. But we've known each other for almost 20 years, which is really uh, funny. So I did see you're singing the national anthem for the first spring training game of the year, correct? You're going to go down to Mesa? Yeah, I'm going to go down to Mesa. I'm going to sing that. Um, hopefully I get to do the Duke-North Carolina game before that, a couple days before that again. We'll see. I, I became, uh, you know, uh, Jim Obojkovic is, is, uh, is friends with uh, John Shire, and John asked me to do the game last year. And I said, if you need me this year, I would be honored and grateful to. It is an unbelievable experience. Uh, Duke, if you know people who are love him or hate him, I'll tell you what: you go up there and you get in that arena, and you have nothing but respect for that. And uh, the one of the, the big, the biggest thing that impressed me is Coach K walks up to me and goes, "Thank you for coming out here." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "I'm like, you're thinking me? You're coach, <laughs> but you're Coach K." I think like Tony Romo was there, the Joint Chiefs, the staff were there, uh, the guy from the Hangover. The Asian guy who's like extremely smart, who went there, was there. Okay, um, it, it was just an unbelievable experience, and it's like that was like uh, the, the the World Series run. This guy comes up to me and he goes, "You know, uh, my name is such and such. I just want to thank you for for coming out here and being part of the Cubs." And it was Theo Epstein. I go, "Theo, are you kidding me, Mister <laughs> Epstein?" I go, "You're thanking me? People like that impress me. Right. That's why." That's what I get impressed by when people have power and have positions to quote unquote, if they wanted to be an asshole, they could when they're not. And when they're humble and they're kind, that's why I love Mr. Ricketts, Crank Kenny, Theo Epstein and Joe Madden and Mike Ditka and, and Mike McCarthy. Cause when you see people like that and they're nice and they're kind, you're like, wow, that's a person. That's right. a person. I have two quick questions for you. Um, Number one, I was reading an article in the USA Today about you, and it said that you can hold the note. I'm sorry, yeah, the note of the word "free" in the uh, in the anthem for 20 seconds. Yeah. Do you practice that, or did that just happen one day? Or no, it just happened. And there's a lot of uh, people who hate it. I get a lot of hate from it on private messages on Facebook. Uh, I get from other singers. <laughs> Really? Oh, yeah. oh. There's, there's, oh, jealousy, hate, hopefully. No, it's a disgrace what you're doing to our country by making it about you. Oh, uh, oh I, come on. I've Dude. Had other, 
I've had other anthem singers tell me you shouldn't do this because you're being a hot dog. And I've, I've had them also say, you know, uh, sing it correctly. They'll put the hashtag sing it correctly, you know, sing it right. Um, and I put I made the hashtag then saying sing it with love. And because I'll leave you with this. This is the only reason why I hold the word free. Only reason why, because at the end of the day, I could hold free for three seconds and let it go. And I've done that at, at places who had the anthem and I've, I've got it short and anything. When I started doing it with the Cubs, people started applauding and cheering. And Jim O'Boyk, which I go, Jim, do you like it? Because we love it, Johnny. It gets the crowd going, gets people going. But the reason I started holding it free is because my father, when he was seven years old in 1942, went under a tank. In, in Italy. They were occupied by the Nazis. And my grandmother, Jaconda, says, Vince, my, 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 my real name is John Vincent Parazio, but I go by John Vincent. My dad's name is Vince Pierorazio Parazio. She goes, Vincenzo, vai prende col parpa sotto la tanca, ti fanno le panni, pedalegno, tutti. She said, Vince, go get that tarp underneath that Nazi tank. We can make pants for you kids. We can cover the firewood. But my father goes under the Nazi tank. He grabs the tarp. He turns around, and I'm 15 years old. He's showing me the spot in Italy where this happened in 1942. He turns around, and a Nazi soldier had a gun to my grandmother's head while he's seven years old and goes, you can have the tarp, but she dies. And I go, what'd you do? He goes, what do you think? Your grandmother's alive. I'm like, oh, that's right. This is back in 85. My grandmother has this I go, Dad, I thought Italy and Germany were friends. He goes, no. He goes, Mussolini was Hitler's puppet. He goes, we had to follow their orders. The Nazi soldier kicked me down this thing of stairs when I was a kid. He goes, they treated us like dogs. He goes, they treated us like crap. They Nothing. We were, we, were, we were animals to them. He goes, the way they treated us was horrendous. I hold free for humanity. Not for any other reason, but for the love of humanity and that story of my father and my nonna having a gun to her head and my father having to see it when he was seven years old. Now I hold it and I hold it longer because when I hold it, the crowd cheers. If the crowd didn't cheer, I would stop after five seconds. All right. I don't mean to offend anybody. It's not about me. It's about the crowd cheering. And, if, and if so many people get angry and jealous about it. You know what? I used to be feel bad and get upset and get hurt. Now I don't care. If people get offended about it, then that's, I'm doing it for love. And Joe Madden told me, he goes, you know what, Johnny? You're doing it out of love. Yeah. You're doing yeah. it out of a different I've always loved it, John. I mean, that's what makes it so it's, I've always loved it. I mean, I, you're my favorite national anthem rendition ever, you know? Mm. Well, you're very kind. You know who my favorites are? And nobody, I don't care who sings the national anthem from now to eternity. You know who sang the best national anthems? No. Whitney Houston and Marvin Gaye. Ah, there you go. Yeah, Whitney, Whitney Houston, Houston. Yeah, it's was Super Bowl. the greatest by far. Nobody can beat Whitney. Nobody can come close to Whitney Houston. I don't care who you are. You'll never get close to Whitney's rendition. And then a second, a, a somewhat of a distant second, I'll have to say, was 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 um, at the NBA All Star Game. Marvin Gaye made it his own. And I hate when these people say, "Sing it right." You have to sing it right. To me. Singing it right means singing it with love and mm. passion and love in your heart. Do things with love. That's singing it right. Not this, 
here I am. I'm going to sing it the right way because this is – I've had guys send me sheet music saying, you got to sing it this way. You're singing it the wrong way. Sing it in this key. And I'm like, okay, this is how much of your day you're spent, you know. I used to get hurt by it. Now yeah. I laugh at it. Now yeah. I'm like, that bu- okay. You know, that, that really does bug me because the, so- the song – or the words are written as a poem. There were no yeah. music to it originally. And then 100, no. 100 years later, someone put an old British drinking song to it. That's yes. what the melody is. Yes, and, and people don't understand it. And when Marvin Gaye did it, like, come on. And this is where poor Fergie. I know she tried because it was the NBA uh, yeah. All Star. She tried to do what he did. I know it in my heart. She did. I could, and everybody ripped on her. I said, give her a chance because he was just trying to do what Marvin did. But nobody could do what Marvin did the way right. he did. Mm. Marvin was like, oh, say. Can you see? It was just, and people were clapping, and people were snapping their fingers, and it was like, it was awesome. And people are like, that was a disgrace. I'm like, no, you know what? Then you go do it. It is the citizens. It's the citizens' anthem. I'll give it that. Like there are other countries that have written the song. I love Canada's anthem, but they 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 usually, the word Canada is in it like five times. It's written for Canada, but this was written yeah. in the heat of battle by an American yeah. citizen giving his life for the country. He was taking yeah. fire. Right. It's yeah. the citizens' you know anthem. What? Citizens United, can sing it how they want. The United States is, is a free country, and I want it to be free for every human being in this country. No matter what race, what religion, what gender you are, you deserve freedom. You deserve freedom of expression. Mm. You deserve freedom of respect. You deserve freedom to have love and kindness and not to be judged. You have freedom. The only time I judge somebody is if they are taking advantage of people physically, mentally, or financially. Then I'm like, wait a minute. And again, it's not my spot, but sometimes that's where my, 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 my human side of me, my ego will come out and I'm like, Okay, wait a minute. That's, you know, and again, I'm not perfect and I don't like to judge, but if you're taking advantage of somebody physically, mentally, or, or, or financially, or, or verbally abusing somebody, or physically abusing someone, then you judge. How do you, why are you going to judge what people do? Like, how, how funny would it be for, you know, go to somebody's work and, 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 and complain, hey, at their desk, you're doing this wrong. You're do- I, can't, I can't stand the way you fax this or to email this or send this out or. You know, right. or do this or write this. Imagine that. Or these celebrities who just rip on people and just preach to people and just do all these things. It's like, man, I want, I want to be, and if I get guts, if I get more guts to do this, I want to be more vulnerable and let out more of my, my vulnerabilities. And I want to keep saying, this is what I did wrong. This is what I do wrong. This is what I do wrong. This is what I do wrong. And let me see how it would be to be this person. Let me see how it would be to, how they live. Maybe I should have more compassion for that because I don't know what happened. Maybe they just had a spouse said, I'm leaving you. Maybe they just had a spouse said, I have cancer. Maybe they just went to the doctor and said, you have six months to live. Maybe they just lost their job. So instead of saying me, 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 I want to say, okay, maybe something's going wrong with them. Right. And how can I be more compassionate? I don't always do that. I'm still an asshole a lot of times, but... I hope to God I can learn one day to be better. Well, John, if if we have Whitney Houston number one and Marvin Gaye number two, we certainly have John Vincent number three overall on our list <laughs> well, at this table. Kind. There's no <laughs> doubt Amen about that. that. Man. Oh, you're man. too kind and yeah. you're very sweet, and I love you, and I, I always enjoy 
hanging out with you. Uh, and, uh, we got to get you back out here in 2019. Uh, we definitely want you back. And uh, John, just keep being you, man. I love you, buddy. I do love you. And uh, you bring a smile to my face every time I hear or see you, and especially when I run into you. And it's always such a pleasure. And I'm really blessed more than anything. That I mean, that the team I love has someone like you singing the national anthem, and not just singing the national anthem, but representing our Chicago Cubs, man. And that that's the best. Well, I love you, my brother. You guys are awesome, and you guys keep doing what you're doing. And this is great, this podcast you have. And, and uh, everybody listening, Club 400 Club is the most amazing. You can't even call it a man cave anymore. It's a destination spot. It's like a, it should be labeled a tourist attraction. If yeah. you're a man, it's the most amazing uh, place besides Wrigley Field. <laughs> I mean, that Club 400 is special, Stuart. You have an uh, unbelievable place there. You know, I'm, I'm lucky. Uh, never in my wildest dreams, John, since 2014, we raised over $300,000 for Cub fans and Cubs-related charities with the goal being obviously $1 million out of a basement, which is kind of crazy. But it's because of people true. It's because of people like you, John, that come out here and donate your time, and you make the events so great, and people want to come back. And, uh, man. Well, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't donate. I think the last time I drank quite a bit of Jägermeister and had some beer and, and a bunch of hot dogs. So I know. I'll tell you what. I can't wait to do another Jäger with you soon, man. So that would be awesome. <laughs> we'll do another Jaeger in 2019. <laughs> exactly. So uh, you have a very merry Christmas and an awesome New Year. Too. We'll you see too. you down in Mesa, obviously. And yes, to all sir. our listeners, man, we had the best Christmas guest on ever. Let's give it up for John Vincent. Merry Christmas to all the listeners. Happy New Year, all you guys. Uh, be nice, right, John? Be nice to people. That's the bottom line, right? Be kind. Nothing. Yep. And I have to follow those words because I'm not that all the time. Wow. So I, I have to be my own critic because uh, sometimes I'm very kind and sometimes I'm not, and I have to have to be nothing if I can't be kind. So. Well, we're go- we're going to end the show with John singing. Uh, once again, William, you got to you got to get this stuff approved before we play it. But <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, John. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, and we're looking forward to baseball in 2019. I love you guys. Thank you very much. Awesome. Bye. Now this could only happen to a guy like me And only happen in a town like this So may I say to each of you most gratefully As I throw each one of you a kiss This is my kind of town, Chicago is. My kind of town, Chicago is. My kind of people too. People who smile at you and each time I roam Chicago is calling me home Chicago is why I just grin like a clown it's my kind of town
Chicago 